<laughs> Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by the Donald Adet to my Patrick Holland, Mr. Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing well. It's a great day. It's sunny out. It seems like spring has finally arrived in Montreal. And uh, yes, episode 82, Donald Odette, Patrick Holland. uh, Donald Odette, we remember him as the diminutive Donald Odette that uh, came over (laughs) from Buffalo and Atlanta, played uh, a few games here and there for, for Montreal and remained with the organization uh, has been an amateur scout with Montreal since uh, 2012 and has, was able to uh, be involved in drafting his son, father of Daniel Audette. And we know Daniel from covering uh, the Ice Caps and the Rocket and, and most recently uh, Daniel Audette with the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds. Patrick Holland, you say, who's that Patrick Holland guy? Well, um <laughs> Five games with the Canadians in the 2013-14 season. However, and he played a, a couple seasons in Hamilton. However, um, was involved in perhaps two of the more interesting trades. Uh, he came over from Calgary with Rene Bork uh, and a second-round pick, which became Zach Lucchelli, uh for Mike Camilleri, that uh, mid-game pull Camilleri, sent him off. Um, that was Patrick Holland that was involved in that in coming to Montreal. And then on the way out, he was packaged with uh, Peter Budai as uh, Mark Bergevin tried to clean house, clean the way for Dustin Tokarski at the beginning of the 2014 season and sent him to Winnipeg for Eric Tangrady. So, um, yeah, a couple of interesting players there in episode 82. But you know who I'm thinking about? Well, that would be... Who would that be? That would be Jean Beliveau. And because uh, yesterday, yeah. yesterday, May 1st, was a very historic day. Um, it was 55 years ago yesterday since the very first Conn Smythe winner was awarded. Uh, and very appropriately, uh, the award first went to Jean Beliveau, May 1st, 1965. Um and that was as the, he helped the Canadians to win uh, the Stanley Cup with uh, Game 7, a 4 nothing win over the Chicago Blackhawks. He scored the game-winning goal three times in that series, so um, probably worthy of the Conn Smythe and the very first Conn Smythe at that. The journey you just took us on there, Rick, so I appreciate <laughs> you doing that today, going all the way from Donald to Dett and Patrick Holland to Jean Beliveau, and we love to do that today because boy oh boy do we have a big topic coming up in segment two with the Montreal Canadiens all-time team as constructed by TSN we're going to get to that in just a little bit but we have got a lot to get to before we get there because the Montreal Canadiens as they have done basically every week uh, that we've been on doing this show without actual hockey games to talk about they have given us a signing and of course there was much more to get to. We have some news on Alexander Romanov, some news on Thomas Plekanich as well. And, of course, we're going to get to, as we have always been talking about through since March 12th, we're going to be talking about the potential resumption of play as well. But we'll start with the Canadians signing their forward that they drafted in the 2019 NHL entry draft in the sixth round, Arsen Kisamudinov. Uh, I'm not going to say that ten times fast. Um, <laughs> He most recently played for Neftimik Niznikamsk of the KHL. Also, will not be saying that 10 times fast. I appreciate it. But, Rick, um, what do you make of this signing? Obviously, he's a bit older than most players would be a year removed from their draft year. 
coming over with just a little bit more experience under his belt, potentially on a two-year ELC. Yeah, um, this is um, um, a a player drafted as a 21-year-old. He went through the the draft twice with uh, being passed over uh, by all 31 teams. It was third time's a charm. Third time, he selected in the sixth round, uh, 170th overall. And uh, listen, he had a a great uh, uh, year in the MHL, and that's the uh, the major junior hockey league in uh, in Russia. Um, 41 uh, games, he had 26 goals, 29 assists for 55 points. And um, you know he's a he's the kind of guy who he's he's got big size, six three two oh three. He's got a great shot, actually a, a good shot and a great release. Uh, and he has that ability to score off the rush and be deceptive and use the, the defenseman as a screen. He loves to do that. Uh, the problem is his, his skating is a little below average. So he has a hard time uh, protecting the puck. He has, he has, a, he has a, a hard time. In number, but, but that's what you, you have to expect, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is a guy that, um, that when drafted – uh, Trevor last year, Trevor Timmons said, you know, if we didn't draft him, this would be the kind of guy that one of those free agents that, that many teams pursue. And rather than getting involved in that, he said, we just, we just thought we'd draft him. Um, he said that um, he's a Mudinoff, um, um attended the Canadians European combine in Stockholm. Uh, the Canadians Russian scout was, was very high on him. Um, and uh, he, you know, he's not a guy that's been on the the Russian national teams or whatever. But he's they feel uh, Timmons does, and and their uh, Russian amateur scout that he's kind of a late bloomer, and um, that okay, bring him over, put him in the AHL, and um, we'll 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 see what he has, see how he can contribute. Um, in the KHL uh, last year, thirty-one games, a goal and two assists for for three points. So. Um, had difficulty adjusting and he was sent to the, like the AHL of, of uh, the Russian leagues, the v, uh, VHL for more development. So he just may need more time and um, we'll see. And, and I mean, you know, what we've seen uh, these last few weeks, it's uh, let's jump on that Russian train for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it's it's not when when this signing was announced, it wasn't the signing emanating out of Russia that Habs fans have been waiting for, but it is a signing and it's something to talk about. And uh, we had a question from from Mike, who's a loyal listener of this podcast, who's been helping us out with the bracket challenge, which we're going to be getting to just a little bit on, uh, later on. But at 22 year old coming over to North America, they signed him to a two-year ELC instead of the three-year. Curious about that, as am I, as to why they might have gone in that direction. Good question. Great question. Uh, entry-level contracts, according to the CBA, uh, they're rookie contracts for players younger than 25 years old. So uh, all of these ELCs are two-way contracts, but there are, are three categories depending on the age. If you're between the ages of 18 and 21, you get a three-year ELC, if you're 22 or 23, which Hamizanov uh, is, you get a two-year deal. And if you're 24 years of age, you get a one-year ELC. That's all part of the, uh, the CBA. So good question. It's just um, yeah. they're just following the rules. That's all. Perfect. So, yes, as I said, not the signing coming out of Russia that Habs fans have been waiting on. That, of course, is Alexander Romanov. And that seems like it's going to be more of a – we've discussed this in recent weeks. That's more of a when question rather than an if one, as we've come to find out from his agent, Dan Milstein. However, uh, there was some news of, of Romanov signing a long-term contract of sorts, uh, getting engaged to his girlfriend. So uh, congratulations uh, to them, to the, to the young, lovely couple on their uh, pending uh, engagement. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, announced on, on Instagram, uh, Alexander Romanov engaged to his girlfriend, Sophia, and um, just 20 years old, that is yeah. uh, Alexander. So, um, yeah, that's, 
Wonderful news. And as you said, uh, according to Dan Milstein, and he was asked again this past week, and, and they said, listen, we're just waiting to see if he's going to be able to, to uh, come and, and play, be added, if the rules are changed to the end of the 2019-20 season, or whether he'll have to wait till uh, the fall. So that's why they're, they're waiting on finalizing an agreement. But it's, it's going to happen, and you're going to see um, sooner than later uh, Alexander Romanov on the left-hand side of the Montreal Canadiens' defense. Yeah, and, and speaking of a, an agreement, coming to an agreement, there was also a contract signed within the Atlantic Division. Um, Yaroslav Halak, of course, for Montreal Canadian goaltender, uh, he signed a one-year, $2.25 million extension with the Boston Bruins, and he's having himself quite the season, or he did, he was having himself quite the season until it was paused uh, back in the middle of March. Uh, he had, he's got an 18-6-6 six six record with a 9-19 save percentage and a 2.39 goals against average. So getting him back for another year seems like a good bit of business for the Boston Bruins. And um, its relevance to the Montreal Canadiens is that many Fans and some media were talking about Yaroslav Halak being um, an option uh, as the yeah. uh, Mark Bergevin goes shopping for a backup goaltender. For me, I didn't ever see it being a possibility, given what Alan Walsh had done to create a huge divide between uh, Halak and Price um, uh, the last time around. However, it was being talked about, and so that kind of puts uh, a nail in in uh, uh, that rumor uh, for now anyway. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a good deal for the Boston Bruins to have him back in the fold for next year. So it's going to be another tough obstacle for the Montreal Canadiens to overcome. Um, and another interesting player that we found out a little bit about this week uh, was Miko Lettinen playing for Jokerit over in the KHL overseas. Uh, he and Jokerit have, mutually agreed to terminate his contract so he is a free agent and he had 49 points in 60 games played for Jokerit. he is regarded as being possibly the best defenseman not in the nhl so for the montreal uh, for montreal and for a bunch of teams who are looking for a left shot defenseman this seems to be a guy that could be of interest for them boy on paper Left shot, <laughs> left shot defenseman, uh, the top scoring defenseman in the KHL. As you said, you're widely considered the best, one of the best defensemen outside the NHL. Um, also happens to be an effective quarterback on the power play, uh, which the Canadians have been missing since uh, Andre Markov. He has a great wrist shot, very accurate wrist shot uh, that he gets to the net. Um, this... Let's see what happens here. But as a free agent, and as you said, there's going to be other teams uh, pursuing him. Yeah. Uh, but if Mark Bergevin was able to swing this, uh, this, and with Romanoff arriving, this might just solidify the left side of the Canadiens event. This is, this is exciting news to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I think that, as you said, this is going to be somebody that draws interest from a lot of teams. And when I saw that this was on Twitter, I, I saw a bunch of Leafs fans saying that that would be some, that would be an option for them. Of course, they need help on the back end too. So it's it's exciting news. And of course, when you see that there is a puck moving defenseman that can play the left side, potentially quarterback a power play, I think the ears perk up a little bit in Montreal. But there's going to be a lot of teams interested in his services. Um, so it'll be, yeah, as you said, it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, but moving, moving on to some other really interesting news that emerged um, this week was uh, John McDonough was released from his position of president and CEO of the Chicago Blackhawks after 13 seasons in which, yes, the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups, basically only them and the, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are any are teams that resemble any type of dynasty from the last 15 years. Um, but he was released from his position after all of that success. So who could possibly replace an executive with that type of winning pedigree? 
It's this is you know the words uh, attached to this uh, firing um, were things like shocking, stunning, uh, a huge yeah. shakeup. Uh, this guy was was um, you know I know Canadians fans may not be familiar with him, but he had uh, 24 years with the Chicago Cubs and the MLB. Was recruited to come to um, the Blackhawks in 2007 had had um, you know, completely rebuilt the front office and implemented this winning vision. And, and, you know, he was on the business side, the business operations, uh, marketing fan experience, those kinds of things. But, um, you know, the, the Blackhawks, Blackhawks currently have a 531 game home sellout uh, streak. Um, uh, something the Canadians were having trouble with this past season, selling out games. Uh, he's, he put the games on local TV. Um, you know, he was responsible for the business side, Stan Bowman for the hockey side. And, um, now that, you know, it's kind of a, what, what have you done for me lately? Uh, the Blackhawks have missed the playoffs for a couple of years and, um, Blackhawk chairman Rocky Wirt says, okay, um, we're doing something new here. Um, the other thing that that um, John McDonough uh, was able to do is is bring the Blackhawks up that valuation, and the last Forbes uh, valuation we have for NHL teams has the Blackhawks valued at one point zero eight five billion dollars, and that's only behind. They're right behind the Canadians, uh, Canadians in third place, Maple Leafs in second, Rangers in first. So this guy knows what he's doing. Now, who do you replace him with? And there's talk. There's talk that um, uh, the Wirtzes right now on a temporary basis, uh, Rocky Wirtz uh, replaced uh, him with his uh, with his son Danny, um, and put him in charge of a of a search. Well, there was um, uh, one publication had five former Chicago Blackhawks players um, as candidates, and um, uh, with with the idea of bringing someone in as president um, that has more hockey experience. Um, the interesting thing is there's Canadians connections here uh, and we're all about Canadians connections. That's <laughs> our name. And so, all right, I'll, I'll save the interesting ones for last. You have Doug Wilson, uh, currently uh, a general manager of, of the, the Sharks. Um, Wilson was a defenseman for the Blackhawks. Actually, there's three former, Chicago defenseman in this list. Um, wow. Bob Murray is another one, GM of the Ducks. Eddie Olchuk, we know Eddie Olchuk, the, the yep. TV <laughs> broadcaster for NBC, and, and, uh, and he does a good job. Uh, former, former player with uh, Winnipeg Jets said, uh, when we win the Cup, we're bringing it back to Winnipeg. It <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't happen Classic. when they went to Phoenix. Yeah, it was, it was a great quote. It was a However, classic quote, yeah. Uh, two other uh, other um, individuals on the list. Number one, uh, number one, Chris Chelios, of course, uh, 10 seasons for the Blackhawks and then seven seasons with the Montreal Canadiens. And I think we're going to get to Chris Chelios a little later in segment two. And um, another fellow uh, that they suggest as a prime candidate for the president of the Chicago Blackhawks, Bergevin. Wow. Mark? <laughs> yeah. Mark Bergevin spent four seasons as a defenseman for the Blackhawks. And uh, this publication seems to think he would be a great president for the Chicago Blackhawks. What, what do we think about all of this? <laughs> Well, that is, um, I have to say, I'm surprised by that, that someone would, would look at him in, in that way. I mean, there are, there are things in his tenure that Mark Bergevin has done well, early parts of his tenure I'm talking about, more than, you know, what we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, but to warrant that type of respect from any publication, to say that he would be the guy that could run his own shop in any city, that is a that is a very interesting 
statement. <laughs> well, it's 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 in, and and this is more um, uh, th- this kind of a, a topic is more to 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 invite reaction and and we'd love to yeah. hear your comments on it. Um, and I mean, there's all kinds of aspects here with the Chelios uh, mansion um, at the Can- the Canadians. Um, we know their playoff record the last few years. And if Chicago is making changes, why aren't the Canadians? If, <laughs> if the black heart Hawks are looking for a new president, why aren't the Canadians looking for a president, uh, a president of hockey yeah. operations? Why isn't, you know, there's, there's lots of, lots of tie-ins here. And uh, this, this is something we might uh, revisit and discuss further. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a fascinating story and, and it's something uh, we thought we should just, introduce quickly here it truly is a very fascinating story and i think that montreal most montreal canadians fans would probably be very excited that mark bergevin would get that type of a promotion in another organization that is not the montreal canadians um (laughs) (laughs) uh, moving on because there was another really fascinating piece of news um thomas placanich did an interview with louis jean of tbs4 and um he revealed that he would like to get into coaching And in that interview, he also revealed some of his feelings towards his former coaches, who he talked about as, you know, uh, he talked specifically about Jacques Martin and Claude Julien as being sources of inspiration for him, uh, that their styles would be something that he would try to emulate. Uh, Michel Therrien, on the other hand, uh, (laughs) he said he would not be emulating Michel Therrien and his style of coaching. And it really paints a picture here of what Thomas Placanich thought of, of Michelle Terry. Now, what did you make of, of that entire interview and, and his comments towards his former coach? Great interview by uh, Louis Jean. We had Louis on the show and, and a friend of, of uh, our show here. And, and uh, it was great to see uh, uh, Thomas. Uh, he, he looks great. Um, he said he's yeah. keeping busy with the kids at home and, and, and they're, they're homeschooling. Um, in his spare time, he's taking a coaching course, um, and he he thinks he's got you know two or three that he'll play for two or three more years, uh, but he's thinking uh, post playing career, and um, he would like to get into coaching, and and he's doing that that sort of planning. And uh, in the Czech Republic, there's three levels of of coaching, and you need a license for each. He's qualified apparently for the. Uh, the C license, as it's called, and um, to uh, coach um, minor league hockey. And he's, he's not so interested in that. Right now, he's working on his B license, um, which would allow him to coach junior hockey. And then there's the A license, which, as he said, would, would allow him to coach men. Um, and so he's, he's progressing in this. But as you said, he, it was fascinating that he went through each coach and, and kind of uh, said what they were good at. He talked about Claude Julien being very good at sitting down, explaining what, what he needed. Um, he talked about um, Carbono, Guy Carbono being a, a player's coach. Um, he talked about uh, Jacques Martin being very, he thought very intelligent, but very quiet and didn't speak very, uh, didn't speak much. He, he declined to talk about, Mike Babcock said he didn't really have uh, you know long yeah. enough time to to evaluate. Um, he talked about uh, Bob Gainey, that when Bob Gainey entered the room, you could hear a pin drop. He said there was so much respect from everyone in the organization uh, for Bob Gainey, and you you hung on every word he said. Uh, he spoke quietly, he spoke directly, uh, and he really respect and and you know. Um, Thomas Buchanan's very thoughtful and very quiet voice, and and you could almost see him being the kind of of, of coach Ganey would be. Um, but it, that's not where he, you know, he he talked about uh, being some sort of hybrid between Julian and Martin. But yes, his comments about Terrian uh, talked about Terrian pressuring players. Uh, being really tough on players, being different from any other coach he's ever had, and said, you know, that method is successful for Terry, and he wasn't being that critical, but he said it was, it was really fatiguing and stressful for players and, and wore them out, um, the, a coach constantly being on the players. Um, 
And then he said, uh, which I found was fascinating, he said the best coach he ever had, best coach he ever had, and the coach that he learned most from was Doug Jarvis. He said, Doug Jarvis helped me a ton. Doug Jarvis uh, was an excellent teacher. And we remember Doug Jarvis, um, you know, that, that he kind of followed uh, Ganey and Carboneau in that defensive forward um, mold uh, in the, the, the late 70s, early 80s for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and then, you know, went on to coaching, was uh, a coach, Hamilton Bulldogs, where he encountered Placanitz. Um, and, uh, and still is involved. He's the senior advisor in, uh, with Vancouver right now, but, um, uh, he's, he's an interesting, um, uh, he's the kind of guy we forget about Doug Jarvis, uh, a Selkie award winner, Masterson winner, won four Stanley cups. And, um, Placanet said, you know, he's kind of an underrated guy, doesn't get enough credit. And, and I was, I was happy to see that, um, Thomas Spokanich brought his name up. Yeah, I, I thought that this was an incredibly fascinating interview uh, for the reasons that you uh, sort of identified there, but particularly the part about Michelle Tarian, because I think we've, we've heard players come out in the past. Like we heard Daniel Briere talk about his experiences with, with Michelle Tarian and brush that one off and say, well, you know, it was – player that was coming in who had a varying level, you know, had experience in Philadelphia, been in deep playoff runs, scored big goals. And then he went to Montreal and it just didn't seem like it was working out. And you could say that that might've just been a frustrated player, but for Thomas Placanich to say something and Thomas Placanich, he doesn't give me the impression that he's somebody that would, that, that it speaks very openly and candidly about these types of things, unless he feels very passionately about them. And the fact that he said that he would not be emulating Michelle Therrien when he wore a letter for Michelle Therrien on those teams. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, he, he talked about Jacques Martin, went to the Eastern conference final under Jacques Martin. He also went to the Eastern conference final under Michelle Therrien. So even if he thought that Michelle Therrien was demanding on the players, you would think that he would still, think back on that as being an experience where it's like, okay, well, he he managed it, even though he didn't necessarily like the style of coaching. And he points that out as being, it it worked for Michelle Therrien and he wouldn't be, but he just wouldn't emulate it. But I just, I thought this entire thing was fascinating. And uh, I think the exact type of player that would make a good coach, the the two-way forward, the two-way centerman, I feel like those typically make very good coaches. Um, But yeah, uh, moving on, because as we said, we, we have always devoted time in the first segment to talk about the impact of the coronavirus. And uh, this week, we just got some really unfortunate news. Uh, George LaRock uh, tested positive for the virus. And unfortunately, LaRock also suffers from asthma. So just want to wish him all the best in, the, uh, in, in his, his battle with the, the virus. Uh, we do, yeah. Um, he he tweeted a, a picture from his uh, hospital bed, um, and in the tweet he said, "I guess I'm not invincible. Just got diagnosed with COVID. Since I'm asthmatic, that's not the best news, but I'll fight it off." And so, good attitude, and uh, and we wish him uh, all the best as he battles uh, the coronavirus. Absolutely. It's the end of the spectrum because obviously, as we said, we wish him all the best. Um, There was also some uh, uplifting news that came out of this week. Uh, It was Kirk Muller's mother, Annette, who went viral because, like all of us, she needs more wine. (laughs) (laughs) This this is... I mean, um, Kirk Muller, uh, and we know his background, we know his fame. Um, I, uh, Kirk Muller didn't get the kind of press that his mom did. This, this photo no. <laughs> of, of, his, of his mom standing in the window with a big sign saying, need more wine and holding up an empty, um, went 
everywhere. You go to um, the Daily Mail in, in the UK, you go to Spain, you go, this, this story went around the world. Uh, and it was uh, um, Kirk's uh, sister, Kelly, who was on her way over to uh, visit her mom, uh, who's 82 um, in Kingston. And um, <laughs> her mom greeted her at the window with this sign and an empty bottle. And uh, what a, I mean, she sounds like a character anyways. Kirk says she has a great sense of humor. Uh, she doesn't like to miss hockey night in Canada. She's even enjoying uh, the, 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 the repeat games. And, um, uh, uh, but she, she likes to have a glass of wine or two when, when she's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when she's watching. And, uh, so, um, Kelly, um, um, brought her some wine. Uh, Kelly asked mom, um, you know, do you want red? Do you want white? And Annette said, yeah, it doesn't matter. It all tastes the same. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> she sounds like a lovely woman. But uh, uh, Kirk, you know, Kirk was taught, was interviewed this week. He was interviewed with uh, with Wayne Gretzky, and they they reviewed the the '93 series. Uh, Kirk Muller was asked by the Montreal media. He did a teleconference about the the power play and all kinds of things. But the, the big story for the Muller name this week was about Mom needing more wine. And yeah, it was a uh, it was very uplifting. So uh, it was uh, definitely check that picture out if you haven't seen it. If you somehow haven't seen it, uh, it's definitely worth a look. Um, but Rick, as I said, we have been talking about the resumption of play as being a major topic of conversation over the last couple of weeks. And this week, the NHL and NHLPA released a joint statement, potentially moving to phase two of their plan towards resumption of play. And that was um, small group activities that they see as being potentially feasible by mid to late May. So maybe later on this month, we might see that. And of course it said as well that the resumption, the, the, the resumption of play committee, the NHL and NHLPA continue going to, are going to continue to meet and discuss uh as, as things evolve, but Rick, what is, what do you make of this phase two? Well, I think that um, we talked last week about um, Gary Benton floating some ideas and trying to push a particular direction. And he got a fair bit of foot, um, feedback as he called it, or a pushback as, as the players called it. Um, you know, the GMs weren't happy with his draft idea. The players uh, we're not necessarily happy with um, what he was talking about. Um, so uh, this this committee was was struck, uh, the return to play committee, and and uh, now Gary this week is talking about extraordinary collaborative discussions with uh, the NHLPA. Um, he's trying to mend some fences, I think. Um, and then the release of, of the joint statement. And that joint statement doesn't really have any kind of timeline attached to it, but it kind of has opened up um, all kinds of, of new ideas. Um, and you know, that this Hub City thing that we talked about last week is looks like it's going full steam ahead. Uh, Edmonton seems uh, like to be uh, one of the lead cities. Uh, they've already sat down with the Alberta Health Department and, and are trying to hammer out some ways of doing this safely. Um, but, uh, you know, first getting the, the, the players back and, and opening the training facilities so that, um, so that they can get working out, then some sort of training camp, uh, then a, 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 a schedule to, to, uh, play within the division and complete all the regular season games and then into the playoffs. But now talking about, you know, extending that over a lot longer period and um, starting the uh, Gary Batman said, starting the uh, regular season of the 2020, 2021 season, late November, maybe December, um, and that, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the, the NHL not wanting to do anything to disrupt next season. 
now it's it seems uh, inevitable that that next season will be disrupted and will the league be able to play an 82 game season i mean they have to be if they start in in mid december they have to be done by uh july because yeah. they they're going to run into the Olympics and, and NBC is committed to the Olympics and wouldn't be able to uh, do playoff games. So this is, things are happening and um, things, uh, things that, that were ideas, you know, one week get kind of tossed out and, and, uh, and we see that with, with all the leagues. So at the NBA, there's been some difficulties in, in, um, you know, all the NBA teams wanted to go to Atlanta to train because Georgia was a little bit more opened up. Uh, the MLB, I, I, I see they have a new arrangement with their their umpires, and they're talking they're they're talking about we we heard the NHL talk about this isolation dome or this bubble. The MLB is talking about a monastery setup, which I guess is yeah. is kind of the the same thing. Um, but while all this is going on, you have you know players, and and we heard from. Dale Weiss, we heard from Brendan Gallagher saying, you know, is this worth it? Is this worth it to go back? Is this worth it to leave our families? We had Drew Doughty come out from the Kings. We had Adam Lowry from the Jets all question this plan. And then it was Phil Deneau this week who said, um, you know, making us come back and leave our families for games that are meaningless is inhumane, uh, which that got a lot of airplay this week. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not that different because you, you talked about the MLB. The MLB had the idea of going to Arizona and playing out games just in Arizona, try to do the bubble city thing like you talked about. And and Ryan Zimmerman of the Washington Nationals said the same thing. I'm not I'm not leaving my family to go and play for however many months, however long this needs to take. I'm not going to do that. It's it's an understandable stance, but the way that yeah, inhumane being the word that Philip Deneau used, that is that is that is pretty strong in his, in his, uh, in his statement and his belief that this is not um, uh, something that he wants to do. So um, this, we're likely to hear uh, some sort of announcement um, next week. Also keep an ear out for, I expect we're going to hear from uh, the AHL as well. And as we uh, talked about on from the press box earlier this week, the from the press box podcast, uh, that you can also hear on Rocket Sports Radio that uh, we will probably hear an announcement about the AHL season. And um, uh, it's pretty clear that it's going to be uh, canceled. Uh, so thing, lots of news coming up uh, this, this, this coming week that, um, that we'll be paying attention to for you. Absolutely. Uh, so, Rick, with all of that said, we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back we're going to be talking about the canadians all-time team as composed by tsn and their all-time seven uh project when we come back we're going to discuss that rocket sports media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? 
How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We're going to be discussing the all-time seven team as composed by TSN. Uh, And they had some criteria for this before we get into the conversation, because this isn't just composing 20, this isn't just 21 of the best players that have ever played for the Montreal Canadiens. It's, It's not quite that simple. So we'll preface it by saying that. So, they have, obviously, two goalies, six defensemen, 12 forwards, as you, you might expect, and one foundational player. So they all have to play at least 225 games with the Canadians. They have to have at least one member from the current Montreal Canadiens team. As you can imagine, there probably is only one player that could qualify for that. <laughs> Players are slotted in positions they played with the Canadians. There must be a line comprised of defensive standouts, a checking line. One, must, one pair must be comprised of suffocating defenders, a shutdown pair, and uh, lines and pairs are put together because they fit, um, because of the players fit together. Um, so, Rick, this team, if I can just play her, so you have Ken Dryden and Kerry Price between the pipes, Doug Harvey, Butch Bouchard, Guy Lapointe, Chris Chelios, Larry Robinson, and Serge Savard on the back end. Up front, Steve Schutt, Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, Toe Blake, Henri Richard, and Rocket Richard, Dickie Moore, Howie Morens, Bernie Jeffreyon, and then rounding out the forward group, Bob Ganey, Guy Carboneau, and Claude Provost. And then their foundational player, Jacques Plante. Um, and, of course, they had to pick the head coach, it was Scotty Bowman, the general manager, Sam Pollock. Rick, this, of course, when you were talking about putting together all-time teams for any team, you are bound to navigate some very touchy water with people when it comes to their favorite players of all time, and especially with a team that has the history like the Montreal Canadiens. That said, what do you think of the team TSN composed? Would there be anybody that you would put in over someone else, anyone you would take out from the team? Uh, What were your overall thoughts on that? Now, you've been to the Bell Center. I've been to the Bell Center many yeah. times. Even um, um, the practice facility. Uh, look up in the rafters and, and look at retired jerseys. Look around the rink in the Ring of Honor. Uh, there's a lot of players that are um, in the Hall of Fame who've had their jerseys retired, who, who are excellent examples. This is uh, What I'm trying to say here is this was – a very difficult task for TSN, Yes, uh, the TSN uh, folks that put this together. So I know fans are, are ready to jump on them and, and complain, but um, it was almost an impossible task uh, to come up with one, uh, one lineup um, with the, the, the number of, of uh, selections that, that could be, uh, that could have been included. Now, um, you know, there's, there's there's no brainers in here, and there's a lot of them. Uh, Rocket Richard and John Beliveau and Guy Lafleur and 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 um, Ken Dryden and so on uh, that you just can't argue with. Uh, there's there's no argument for. Um, I'm I'm happy with what they did. I, you know, for an organization that was built on goaltending uh, for so long, had excellent goaltenders. Um, Carey Price, I mean, uh, the winningest goaltender and, and holds so many records. The best goaltender I have ever seen, bar none. And, and yeah. I know fans like to jump on. I mean, you're, you're, and I realize a lot of fans have a limited context, but Carey Price is on another world. And um, 
compared to to goaltenders, the any of them will tell you Carey Price is is the 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 prototypical his uh, goaltender, his his positioning, his style, his structure, his technique, everything off the charts. Ken Dryden just won, um, oh, and yeah. and and the team when he left, uh, and he had a little bit of a dispute, and and the team wasn't the same without him. Yeah, with with primarily the same team, the same players, uh, they, they just weren't weren't the same without him. Jacques Plante revolutionized uh, goaltending, so you got to include all three. Um, yeah, <laughs> Patrick Waugh gets. Patrick Waugh gets left out and um, you know, it's not to take anything away from Patrick Waugh, but you just can't, you just can't um, displace any of those other guys for Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh was, you know, um, his, when he came in and the, the, the two cups in Montreal and, uh, and on to Colorado, he, I can complain about him um, in his management role or coaching role, but not as a goaltender. However, he he just doesn't fit on given the criteria. He just doesn't fit um, yeah. on the def, on defense. Doug Harvey, um, Guy Lapointe, Larry Robinson. You can't uh, Serge. You can't complain with any of those. The one problem I have is Chris Chelios. Um, I, on, I, on my team, I wouldn't have Chris Chelios. Um, you yeah. have, when you have uh, Jacques LaPerriere, J.C. Tremblay was always a favorite of mine, a very underrated defenseman. Uh, I would have included uh, probably LaPerriere, but it would have been up in the air for between LaPerriere, Tremblay, and, and, and Butch Bouchard, all about the same in, in my books and, and well ahead of Chelios. Um, as far as the forwards, pretty tough to, um, yeah, uh, it's pretty tough, but you really would have liked some way of getting Elmer Locke in there. Um, and the two glaring omissions for me are Cornway and Lemaire. Uh, one of the yeah. greatest lines of that dynasty was Lemaire, uh, with Lafleur and shut, uh, Jean Beliveau between them's no slouch either. So that's fine. <laughs> But we forget we forget how good a defensive player Jacques Lemaire was. In addition to providing the offense, he he shut down people um, uh, while while turning uh, turning the defense into offense. And remember how he became such a uh, a revered defensive coach. I think you could have put Lemaire in for Carboneau, uh on that checking line yeah. pretty easily. Um, I, yeah, Claude Provo, yeah, um, you know, effective at his time, um, and you, you needed somebody on that wing, but I would have tried to get, uh, Lemaire and, and, uh, and or Cornway into this, into this mix. The, yeah. And, and I will speak to Cornway cause that to me, that one is the most glaring omission because as you said, it is a difficult task to go through all the, the, the pantheon of forwards that have played for the Montreal Canadiens, the incredible talent that they had at their disposal for so many years, you have to get Yvonne Cornwallier in that team. You have to find a way to get him on that team. An eight-time Stanley Cup winner, sixth in points in the franchise history, fifth in game-winning goals. He has to be on that team. I don't know, how you, I don't know who you take out. <laughs> you have to find a way to put him in. That's just, that's just me. The, the other thing that I will say about this, because when asked who the they, – they had the last cuts as well, which uh, should be mentioned. So the last cuts that they have are Patrick Waugh, of course, as you said, uh, Jacques LaPerriere, P.K. Subban, Elmer Locke, Yvonne Cornway. And, yeah, so, I mean, you look at those names. The thing that I point to, though, is that P.K. Subban is one of the last cuts – over Andre Markov. Now they did say that they were looking at left, that it needed to be whatever position a player played. But the fact that PK Subban is in that conversation over Andre Markov, to me, that, that just, that does not sit well with me when you look at Andre Markov and the things that he accomplished in his time with the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I think that the discussion that we've seen the most 
And, and you touched on it there when you talked about Carey Price and, and the way that he is viewed as being a just a remarkable goaltender by anyone that's played the position and, and one of the best, and obviously one of the best. He ranks so highly in the Montreal Canadiens in every major goaltender statistic. And he's third in point shares, which counts for every player that's ever played for the Montreal Canadiens ever. He's ahead of uh, Maurice Richard and, and Guy Lafleur in point shares. For me, the conversation that we've seen the most of, because it, it was voted that Patrick Watt, about 55% of the vote, was the most glaring omission. And I understand when you look at the two Stanley Cups, and listen, there's nothing you can take away from Patrick Waugh as a goaltender. He is one of the best that's ever done it. But you look at everything that Carey Price has done in his 13 years and the fact that he has had little to no help. And, you know, I I went and I looked at the 1985-86 Canadians and the 1992-93 Canadians, and I was just thinking, has Carey Price in the 13 years that he has been playing in Montreal, has he had five players as good on in his entire time as Patrick Waugh had had on either of those two teams? And I, I think the answer is he really hasn't. I mean, he's had good players. Zach Ukoibu was there at the start of his career. Andre Markov played for many, many years. But I think that those are the only two that you can really put in the conversation as being all-time Montreal Canadiens players. That, to me, says all that you need to know about why Carey Price is in between the pipes. And they, they did say that they needed to have a current member of the Montreal Canadiens. But I think even with that, as, as many people that are upset that Patrick Waugh is omitted, I don't know if you look at the stats, you look at everything, the 13 seasons, I don't know if Carey Price just makes that team over Patrick Waugh regardless of that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And and I know there's there's an emotional tie to Patrick Waugh and he's an emotional player. And of course, you know, he he was key in in delivering the the last Stanley Cup that the Canadians had. Absolutely. So there there is some romanticizing about um all of that and and not so much with um your current goaltender, but um you know, when when this is reviewed years from now, um Carey Price will, will I'm sure, get his, his due. And as you said, even without that specific criteria from, the, from TSN, um, he, should be, uh, he should have been on the team. Um, one of the uh, – I just kind of looked for reference because um, there was a book done by Ken Campbell about, uh, I'd say about 10 years ago, called Habs Heroes, and it was the, the definitive list of the 100 greatest Canadians – and I, I looked at that ranking. Now it's it's ten years out of date. Uh, so, you know, price and 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 um, is not going to be included on it. But uh, looking back for, um, you know, when you think about Chris Chelios being on this list, Chris Chelios is number forty on on the list. And um, it's players like J.C. Tremblay at twenty seven, Jacques Perrier at twenty four, um, Butch Bouchard at twenty five. You know, that's that's um, someone who's who's uh, from the outside kind of taken a, an overview of this. Um, and, and uh, you know, we're talking about Lemaire and, and um, uh, Elmer Locke and Cornier, Cornway not being on the list. Lemaire was 20, Cornway number 15, Elmer Locke number 17. So even though they tried their best and, and I give them all the credit in the world, there are some <laughs> there were some omissions and um, and and that's why we thought we would talk about it today. Absolutely. And as I said, and as we both have said, not an easy task to pick these players and say that they are the all-time Montreal Canadiens team. It's it's very difficult to do that. And uh, and with them and the Oilers specifically, I think you have to look at all the you know championships to find legacies. So it's difficult for a lot of guys to get a look if they haven't won those championships, uh, specifically in the, in those two cities where you had such great dynasty teams. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, interesting project that they are doing, and they certainly started off with uh, potentially I would say probably the most difficult team to to do with the Montreal Canadiens. So 
Um, certainly uh, keep a lookout for, for those other teams if you are interested at all in compiling all-time rosters for, for other teams as well. Um, so, Rick, uh, with that said, I guess we'll uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, as I said, uh, and part of the reason why I talked about Andre Markov as well is that, you know, the 2000s, it gets, it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, some of these players, Andre Markov and Carey Price. As we've been doing with the Bracket Challenge, we've been shining a light on the 2000s and the players, the great players that have played for the Montreal Canadiens in the 2000s. We're going to update our Bracket Challenge after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, Rick, I understand we have some reaction to the all-time team that TSN composed for the Montreal Canadiens, as well as some reaction to the Kizamudinov contract. Uh, Before we get there, I will just say uh, about the bracket challenge, we have posted two uh, matchups since last week. We will be posting a third uh, at some point later on today. Uh, The sixth group was a very, very interesting matchup. And uh, it saw Mike Camilleri go up against Brian Gianta in what I think was the most intriguing matchup of of the first round. Brian Gianta, former captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Ultimately, though, I think the 2010 playoffs really did Mike Camilleri a favor because he got 53% of the vote to Brian Gianta's 46. So that that is a... I found that very surprising, uh, really. I, I, I thought that the, the tenure, the time would go in, in Brian Gianta's favor, uh, but it didn't. Uh, people, I think, uh, very much tied to that 2010 run and Mike Camilleri's uh, remarkable performance in those playoffs. Um, and then the second matchup that we posted since, Max Pacioretty against Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Max Pacioretty won that one pretty definitively with, 89% of the vote, almost 90% of the vote. Um, and yeah, we will be posting the final matchup of round one on the Canadians Connection Twitter account at Habs Connection. So uh, definitely uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, but Rick, what did uh, what did you think of uh, specifically, I think, the, the sixth matchup, the Camillary versus Gianta? That one was very interesting to me. Yeah, it is. And I think that uh, particularly the way Camilleri left the organization, um, uh, some 
some negative comments that, that got him um, um, uh, about not having heart, um, uh, got him uh, sent out. And, and, uh, and interesting that, that we had a tie-in um, earlier today uh, with that, that trade, uh, that trade that uh, sent Camilleri to Calgary for yeah. um, Randy Bork um, and uh, Patrick Holland. Uh, also included in that trade was Zach Fucali and, and uh, Zach Fucali had some, it uh, was interviewed and had some interesting comments um, this week. And we're going to be talking about that on uh, from the press box on Tuesday. Be sure to join us again. Another one of our rocket sports radio podcasts. Uh, there's this one, uh, Canadians connection. And on Tuesday um, I'll join uh, Amy Johnson. We'll talk about Zach Fucali and other things on from the press box. Absolutely. And it's always worth a listen. Um, so, Rick, as I said, I understand that we have some reaction to the TSN all-time team and additionally the East, the entry-level deal for Kizamudinov that we discussed early on in, in this podcast. Well, we got a fair bit of reaction um, on the, the Rocket Sports text line. The Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. And I'll summarize... Where the heck is Patrick Waugh um, is basically uh, what many of the texts said. But we, we had someone to take the time and write a, a longer uh, email, and that's our dear friend Dino, um, who uh, started off saying, holy smokes, um, my initial impressions, you just can't have one Canadian's all-time team. There's yeah. too many great players in our history, too many generational differences to compare the players and it's not possible to select and in doing so divide our family. Um, uh, Everyone belongs. Everyone had a role to play. He said, um, and he lists um, some players that he would have included. And they include Jacques Lemaire, Yvonne Cornoyer, uh, Dickie Duff. Uh, Dick Duff was, uh, and I've said it before, the one guy that I want to meet, a real favorite, a clutch player. Canadians would have uh, would not have won the Stanley Cups they did without Dick Duff. Uh, Saku Koibu uh, on the list, which uh, I know should bring a smile to your face, uh, <laughs> and uh, a tie-in with uh, our, our earlier mention of Turku Finland um, uh, earlier uh, today um, with Mikko Lettinen coming from there as well. Who else is on his list? Mahovlich. He doesn't specify if it's Frank or Peter. Probably Frank. Um, Bobby Smith, Kirk Muller, uh, Matt Naslin. Uh, of course, on on Adino list is going to be uh, PK Subban, uh, Andre Markov, and John Ferguson. Uh, John Ferguson, who ran shotgun yeah. for uh, uh, Jean Beliveau at times and, and others. Uh, he said the list goes on and on, my friend. How can we leave off these players? Uh, and and still have, have a conscience. It gives it breaks my heart. It gives me distress to think about this. Um, and he goes on and on. It's just uh, a delightful um, email, um, and and really emphasizing the point that this was an impossible exercise to choose yeah. from uh, the long list of great players. Uh, that wore the CH with the Montreal Canadiens. And, and uh, you know, with that, I, I, I fully agree. Yeah, absolutely. And he's right in saying that there could very well be t- two teams. Matt Snazlin's another one, as you said, Kirk Muller. And uh, I didn't really mention Zach Ukwebu that much when I was talking about players from the 2000s, but it's difficult to slot him in. I mean, it's really difficult just because there's been that many great players that have played for the Montreal Canadiens, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation. And uh, certainly, I mean, I I believe that he does. But yeah, it's it's such a, as you said, it's very difficult exercise in trying to construct this team. Uh, But Rick, in addition to that, as I said, there was also the reaction to the entry-level deal for Kisamudinov. Exactly. Um, and uh, our, our, our readers were, uh, again, mixed uh, when we asked for a reaction about the signing of uh, Hisamudinov. Um, Michael Williams Sabol, and, and I'm reading from uh, the uh, All Habs fan page on Facebook. Be, be sure that you, you take a visit to the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, like the page and, and uh, visit often as more than 40,000 uh, Montreal Canadiens fans do regularly. 
Michael Williams Sabol said he's six foot three, uh, 205 pound forward. Now, can he skate? If so, it would be finally, uh, uh, finally be a good move by Mark Bergevin. Well, as, as I said, um, a great <laughs> shot, but, but kind of a below average skater. So sorry uh, to disappoint Michael Williams Sabol. Um, uh, Wakeland says Joel will work with him in Laval to get him NHL ready. We'll see if he's, if he's, uh, uh, you know, we'll make it to the NHL level, but certainly, um, uh, we'll see him in Laval. Uh, Clint Lucier says, how about getting some NHL ready players? We've got lots of prospects already. Uh, Harley David says, uh, uh, oh, it's a waste of time in, in his opinion. And Nate James Harmon says it pro- probably, uh, the most uh, pertinent question. How can someone please tell me how to pronounce his last name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I responded to uh, Nate and it's Hisamutinov. Hisamutinov, the, you, the K is silent. So I uh, hope that's helpful for you, helpful for you, Nate. And uh, we really appreciate all the feedback and questions and love interacting with everybody on Facebook on Twitter and, uh, and everywhere else. And don't forget about that rocket sports line, five, eight, five, three rocket text us. We're, we're, we're always glad to hear from you. Absolutely. And as Rick said, off, uh, off the top, we love, that's what we call ourselves the Canadians connection podcast. We love to connect with you, whether that be through social media, you can follow at Habs connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can visit our website at canadiansconnection.com or as Rick said, five, eight, five, three rocket is the text line to uh, get your reactions in to things like the all-time team. Like we, we got some reaction to uh, just a, just a moment ago. So Rick, with, uh, with that said, uh, it'll be another week. We'll get through another week here on the Canadians connection podcast. As you said, some uh, very interesting things to talk about coming up this Tuesday for, from the press box. So it's, it's going to keep on coming with this news about the potential resumption of play. And as always, we will talk about, that idea and and the reaction that it, I mean you look at the reaction from Philip Deneau as we discussed earlier today, um, but we're going to uh, keep on going and uh, we uh, we wish you everyone out there keep on social distancing, practice uh, you know proper hygiene and and of course thank you to all the frontline workers that have continued to do the tremendous work that they are doing. Um, yeah, so Rick, anything you'd like to say before we sign off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast? Well, I just want to echo that. Um, very grateful to uh, all the, the frontline staff. And as we know, my brother's a paramedic. My, my sister-in-law is, is a nurse. And, and uh, uh, they're, they're, they're doing some um, heroic work. And uh, for yes. those in the same kind of, of line of work, um, I, uh, we, we extend our, our uh, uh, gratitude uh, to you. I've got a shout out to Ryan. I have, have a very happy birthday um, today. And I'd also just want to thank all of our uh, listeners. Uh, we're very grateful that you've uh, stuck with us through difficult times. And, and we, um, we really appreciate you listening uh, to Rocket Sports Radio, listening to this podcast, listening to From the Press Box. Um, we're, we're grateful for for all of you and uh we're we're uh we're happy to bring you news and and we just look forward to that day when we can also yeah. bring you uh some hockey actions so thank you thank you thank you and and uh we're committed to uh staying with you uh for the duration absolutely and uh, rick as you said of this podcast along with from the press box can be found on all your favorite podcast platforms, overcast, Stitcher, tune in Spotify, Google play, just search for rocket sports radio and hit that subscribe button. But yes, as Rick said, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back with you next week at 1 PM Eastern. That is two 30 Newfoundland time. Thank you for tuning into the Canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs connection and visit all Habs.net.